Hello, welcome to a festive special bestsellers. I'm Phil Williams. And I'm Natalie Jameson. And we are going to both give you our three books of the year in this episode. And what's interesting about this is that some of these books we have done on the pod and some we haven't. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why we wanted to bring you this is just to, I know from the feedback we get to the podcast that you like, you know, a good recommendation, a measured recommendation. So we just wanted to widen the scope, really. From our list, there's maybe one, yeah, there's two that have been covered by the podcast and the rest haven't. Um, and also in terms of widening the scope, um, hold on a second. Oh, is that your pacemaker? Dun, dun, dun. I know the tune. What is it? I think it's Oh Holy Night. Yeah, that's going to keep going there. So that's a music box that I've got, you know, one of those snow globe things, which I absolutely yeah. adore. Um, yeah. And we have lots of those around the house at Christmas time. And that's your little festive burst of something, <laughs> hopefully not copyrighted, that we're going to get into trouble for. But yay! <laughs> <laughs> So what we're going to do is talk through each of our favourite three books. Um, and this is because otherwise we will be here all day and we have lives and things to get on with. But before we get into the three books, it will come as no surprise for Williams that I have a yes. little list of uh, honourable mentions. Oh, go on then. So briefly, uh, I don't know if you've read any of these. Uh, Meg Mason's Sorrow and Bliss, which has topped quite a lot of best reads. Of yeah, I've seen it mentioned. Polls. Um, I have read it. And again, it's one of those things where the title is just so clever because that is exactly what you get in the book. It is deeply sad in places, uh, but it's so joyful and funny. And there are some incredible one-liners in this book. It's really good. Uh, so I absolutely recommend that. And also one, a non-fiction that we spoke about that I know you enjoyed as well, but we haven't uh, talked about on the podcast is mm -hmm. Helen O'Hara's Women versus Hollywood. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You recommended that to me. Yeah, yeah, which is just a fascinating look at some of the gender imbalance that has been around for decades and some, you know, female cinematographers and directors in the 1930s that kind of got pushed out of the Hollywood system. It's fascinating. Um, so that's really good. Uh, Laura Kay's The Split, which is a delightful romantic comedy. Uh, it came out in hardback this year. It's coming out in paperback in the new year. Um, and yeah, I can't recommend that one highly enough. It's just really joyful and and fun. Um, and I absolutely loved it. So yeah. Okay, well, um, I didn't realise you were doing honourable mention. So there were, there were two, I've only got two because, and I'll explain why I wanted to mention both. Um, the first one, because it nearly made my top three, nearly. Yeah. Um, so shout out to Anthony Horowitz, who's always brilliant, always mm -hmm. first class. And I think remains the only person to have been on the pod twice, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a Line to Kill came out in August, and it's just great fun more than anything. It's a great whodunit. I was nowhere near it. It's fun. You'll really, really enjoy trying to piece it together. Get yourselves a copy of that. And then the other honourable mention is because it's a book I really, really enjoyed this year. But because of the pandemic, the release date got pushed back into next year. Mm. So I'm sure, with a bit of luck, he'll be joining us. But Don Winslow, who you know I love, mm. um, City on Fire is incredible. It's incredible, his new book. Really, really good. Um, and, and quite a traditional um, story about gangsters and police and mm -hmm. that kind of thing. But just brilliantly done and done from a, a family element as well. It's just great. It's really, really like page-turning thriller. It's amazing. But uh, I think middle of the year, Don decided he wasn't going to put it out this year and put it out next year. 
So I'm going to mention it just to say it's coming. And I read it this year. And that's the other thing with these, isn't it? Because we do a fair bit of reading up front. So I was going to put Marion Key's Grown Ups in because I interviewed Marion this year on the radio for Grown Ups. But Grown Ups came out in 2020. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So not eligible for this list. I mean, our eligibility rules are pretty, pretty loose, really, right? It's just <laughs> pretty lax. Yeah. <laughs> just this year. Yeah. yeah that's it. Like We're not the Hollywood Foreign ever. Press. We haven't upset anyone. <laughs> yet plenty of time for that um right so let's get started shall we so which book is in at your number three so in at my number three um i didn't rank them uh, okay well just like which which is one of your three then the first i'll mention yeah because i don't want to because they're all brilliant that's the Mm. thing um i will say that natalie and i know already what the others chosen and we've both chosen one book the same so we'll do that at the end right it doesn't mean it's the best one or a favorite or whatever but uh, it just means that it says it cropping up twice Uh, i'm going to start off with a book that i read in september this year i was on holiday from work and um i'd heard a lot about this book and so i thought i'm just going to dive into this and i know one of the writers and i'm a huge fan of one of the writers but the other writer's dead and so the Dark Remains is a book that Ian Rankin completed, which William McIlvanny started. Mm-hmm. And it's the it's a kind of prequel to the Laidlaw series that McIlvanny is famous for. Now, I hadn't read any of those. No, I haven't either. I really loved Laidlaw in this book. He's basically quite a, he's quite a cocky, aloof. If he was a 2021 character, you'd say he's on the spectrum, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, struggles with authority, all the rest of it. And there's a murder, and it's a gangland murder in Glasgow in the 70s. And the police go, oh, we definitely know who's done this. It's him. And they put all their efforts in one direction whilst the rest of the crime's happening over here. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you kind of know that, but you don't quite know who's responsible. But you know that they're getting it wrong. And Laidlaw just goes off on his own and works out who's done it. And the humour in it's brilliant. The pace of it's brilliant. And I saw a quote online earlier attributed to Alan Massey, who said that, um, what was the quote? Something like, they, they say that every good American writer comes out of Hemingway and every good tartan noir comes out of McIlvanny. Oh. And uh, I, know, I know that Ian Rankin was a huge fan of, of William McIlvanny's and this, he was hugely nervous about completing this book. But let me tell you, Ian, you've done an amazing job. It's a really, really brilliant read. So this is The Dark Remains, William McIlvanny and Ian Rankin's my first pick. I like it. My first pick is Daisy Buchanan's Insatiable. We almost got her on this podcast. We're hopefully going to get her on this podcast at some point soon because I just think she's a brilliant writer. And Is she a friend of yours or is she an author that you've stalked into submission? (laughs) When you put it like that, it makes it sound really bad. If you mean uh, kind of got a bit chatty on Twitter, on social media, in a supportive, writerly way, then yes, that. Um, I think that's far more appropriate than stalked into submission. You've been reading too much crime, young Phil. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so Daisy Buchanan, Insatiable. And I didn't really know what to expect uh, when I read this book. It was her debut fiction. She's written uh, other nonfiction books and she's, you know, a very talented writer uh, in other places in magazines and papers and elsewhere also has her own brilliant podcast you're booked which I recommend too and it's sort of like a thriller but it's also a lot about damaged people and just trying to find and navigate their way through life and told through relationships and orgies oh 
You weren't expecting that, right? No, I wasn't, yeah. no. Um, so it's quite filthy in places, uh, quite sexy in other places, quite disturbing in a lot of ways. And it really, it, it does that. It sort of shocks you page by page, but it's... Um, and can you recommend it? Yeah. No, I don't <laughs> mean the book. I mean, navigating your way through life via an orgy. <laughs> It's not something I have any experience of, so I couldn't. Me neither. Uh, But again, I think that's what is fascinating about books, right? They take you to places you weren't expecting and things you don't know about. I was totally surprised by this book. But again, it's the writing that just carries you along. And it doesn't feel salacious or gratuitous. Um, Everything has its place uh, in this story. And the main character is quite a young woman who's really trying to figure out how to assert herself and how to navigate safely the spaces she's operating in um yeah it's just really interesting and the story there's a lot going on in it but yeah I was I was totally drawn into this world and and not expecting it so yeah I'm going to recommend that so this is Insatiable by Daisy Buchanan yeah okay I might have a little dip into that over Christmas that sounds (laughs) because I said orgies it's because you said filth, yeah. <laughs> there you go, sex sells. Do you know what? When you were describing the um, orgy element to that book, mm. it just took me back. And I think we've even mentioned it on this podcast before. It took me back to that amazing Channel 4 show on dogging. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Where they were all, and they were at all this point, I was just hi, mum, because I know you're listening. <laughs> yeah, don't worry, it's fine. <laughs> this isn't a grim story. Okay. Hi, Natalie's mum. So the, the idea of this documentary is they follow a load of people as they go dogging, in, some in mm. lay-bys and some in parks, whatever. But they all wear these weird animal masks while they're mm. doing it, right? And um, the, there's a couple from Wolverhampton. It's only funny because it's kind of my neck of the woods, really, not a million miles from Birmingham, right? And he's the one, the male in the couple, he's like, I really want to go dogging. I really want to do it. It's my ambition. And he's pushing it. She's not bothered, right? But yeah. when they get there, the twist in the tale is that she's banging into it and he's not, right? He doesn't <laughs> like what's going on at all. And there's this really funny slash tragedy sad piece to camera he does where he lifts his mask up onto the top of his head so you can see his actual face. And he just looks at the camera and he says, I'll be honest with you, I just want to go home now. And it was really like, it made me howl with laughter, but also it was so sad that this kind of sexual ambition he'd had was finally Mm -hmm. realised and it wasn't all that, you know. Well, there's there's quite a lot of that in this book as well. That's that's what I thought. Yeah, this sort of, um, yeah, you you think this other world is going to be mysterious and dramatic and uh, risky and everything. And then, yeah, you just want to go home, actually, (laughs) at various points. So, yeah, it's really interesting. It's really good. Okay, right, what's your second? Oh, just reminded me of another story, but this one your mom definitely doesn't need to hear, so I'll tell it you after. Um, so my second book, I mean, won't come as any surprise to you, Natalie Jameson, or to you listening to this pod, because I've made no secret of how much I adore the writing of Michael Connolly. I think he is pound for pound the finest crime writer around at the moment. I really, really believe that. And the reason I say that is because each year when he brings a book out, some years he does two, um, he keeps the bar high mm-hmm. and you found this haven't you when you've read the, yeah. these books that you think i don't know how he's doing that how is he coming up with a fresh story he's got something fresh to tell us through the story the pacing is incredible and the characters are incredible and the plotting is incredible so this is the latest um ballard and bosch book and it's called the dark hours came out in november here in the uk and um it's superb it's set around the turn of the um new year into 2020 when obviously um you know coronavirus is everywhere and what's interesting is that it features 
the pandemic in the book, but it's not a major player, but it's there and it's lurking at all times and it affects the way they go after certain crimes and not others. And um, it pushes Renee Ballard to question whether her future lies with the LAPD or not. And so that it's just, just really, really, really good. And I love these characters. I think Connolly's a genius. And so that is a straightforward, really easy pick for it. That's the book where this year where you're, We've spoken about this before, where you know you try and crow, but you think, okay, I've got a meeting at nine, but if I get there at eight forty-five, I can read fifteen minutes. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's that kind of book. Ah, I haven't read that one yet, but um, I'm absolutely adding it to my list now because I'm also really intrigued to see how when we're still in a pandemic, right? I'm intrigued to yeah. see how he handles it in his writing, um, and it's yeah, it just sounds like he's done it in a very it's just way. they're lurking as a presence but it's not dominating any plot lines you know what I mean yeah, yeah. It, it, it's not labored there's no like so then I had to go and do a lateral float it's not that <laughs> do you know what I mean but oh. you kind of realize that all of a sudden there are very few officers out on the street and, yeah. and it's that kind of thing mm-hmm. you know it's you know and, and yeah things aren't as easy to get hold of and tests aren't as easy to get back from labs because no staff are in and it's that kind of thing oh, I like it's clever. it it's really clever nice which brings me on to my number two um but I would rephrase that. <laughs> so what's your second choice, Natalie Jameson? My second choice um, is, and I'm going to stick with this. I'm only hesitating slightly because there's another book that I wanted to talk about, which oh, yeah. I'll mention it briefly. Okay. Um, so Dawny Walton's uh, The Final oh, Revival of Open yeah. Air. I'm so glad you chose this. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is Some- an amazing book. And she's amazing. <laughs> she's in season two so go back and find it yeah so this is going to be my tide actually i'm going to have a tide place for for my choice here so dawny walton's book two i'm talking about two very different books again we there's a whole episode on this so if you haven't listened to it yet do go dive into it but what she's done so well is create an afro-punk duo uh, and and she takes us through their entire lifespan of their career through the 70s and 80s and 90s and um it's just really brilliantly interwoven with actual people and musicians and things that happened it's in- so well done that i had to message you you bought the book to me yeah, I, I messaged you remember i messaged you yeah. on whatsapp about 50 pages and go is does opal have i missed opal's career entirely <laughs> yeah. i was googling opal she's so believable yeah. so believable and you know she's done that really clever thing where it tackles some really weighty issues of the time um but it doesn't feel labored at all it's it's such a joyful read and uh, it's all kind of done as like an oral history so you get snapshots of um people's life and you know as they are saying it to interviewers and reporters and um yeah it's brilliant so I'll so the format similar to um, daisy jones and the six isn't it the yes. format yeah the but the, the plot's entirely different and as you would expect Natalie's absolutely crystallized it for you. It's the fact that you're reading this and the intermingling real things, real events, real musicians of the time, career paths, emulating career paths of the time. And that's what makes you think, well, hang on, have I just missed this musician yeah. entirely? Is this someone I should be in a work of fiction? It's a work of genius. It really is. And yeah. Dawny was such a joy, wasn't she, when yeah, we had she Dawny? Is. And she really makes you care about these characters as well, yeah. which is no... Uh, no mean feat to, to pull off I think so well in a book like this so I wanted to mention that and then I... both Opal and Nev are a little bit unlikable yeah yeah they are and I think that's the hardest trick to pull off uh, I had this discussion on the radio show the other night with our film critic Ian Nathan about film as well as books mm-hmm. is that um, you don't your hero the person you're rooting for doesn't always have to be likable but there must be someone to root for if you're not rooting yes. for anyone see Wrath of Man for details then why bother 
Yeah, I haven't watched Wrath of Man yet. And don't. Just put Snatch on. It's yeah, a much okay. better Guy Ritchie, Jason Statham collab. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, you, it's true. You've kind of got to have empathy with somebody or figure it out um, why you care so much about what happens to them otherwise. But then I think I always care about what happens to people anyway. Um, what, really, in fiction, you mean? Yeah, and in life. In life, you do. In life, you 100% do. But, but I in think fiction, that spills over into are you fiction, telling me you've never you? read a single book? where you're just not bothered, where you're ambivalent, or seen a single film. I've seen loads of films where I think, back here. Uh, not many. No, mm. I can always find something. Mm, that's interesting. Have you yeah. ever done the psychopath test? Yes, you've asked me this before. Yeah. I think I'm the opposite. I'm not a psychopath. I think, again, this is going to sound really pretentious. I think I'm an empath. Oh. So I think I, I care too much about uh, everything the whole time. But that's not for this podcast. Um uh, it's very interesting. I, yeah, it is. Uh, but it's probably why. So my joint choice in here, so sneaking in a, another one, uh, okay. which I won't mention that much about because there's just been an episode on it, is Jodie Pico's Wish You Were Here, mm-hmm. which is a pandemic book. Didn't think I wanted to read a pandemic book at all, which is why I was interested in how you were saying Michael Connolly handled it. Um, when you say it's a pandemic book, do you mean you think you've got to the end of it and then a whole new wave of plot come? <laughs> No, it's set in the pandemic. So it literally starts in March 2020. It's set in New York. But what I really, what kind of really drew me into this book is that the two main characters, well, there's sort of one main character really, is this woman uh, who she is in a relationship and she's about to head to the Galapagos Islands um, where she thinks her boyfriend's about to propose to her. It's like that kind of holiday of a lifetime they've been planning forever. and his job is he is a doctor he works in a hospital in new york it's like the day before new york's about to shut down he's like look i can't take time off work you go you have the holiday and she's like no i feel really bad i don't think i can do this without you and he's like no you have to go like 75 percent of it's non-refundable we're going to lose a whole ton of money we spent three years saving for so then you follow her going to the galapagos um whilst she's getting messages back from him about what life is like briefly in a hospital in New York. So again, it's not kind of hugely dwelling on that, but it's that clever thing because, you know, if you haven't been working on the front line in the emergency services in the past couple of years, I'm sure you feel a bit like this too. It's really hard to think like, even though I I feel like it's been really difficult, I'm aware that so many people have had it worse. 100% worse. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what Jodie Pico's done in this book is sort of validate that everybody's allowed to have a really crappy time and how you work that out and how you get through it. And there will always be people who are having a worse time. And that's not to say that it comes across as really privileged and preachy and annoying. She just kind of acknowledges that that is a thing and that's okay. Uh, and we are all human beings and still have to figure out how to get through this thing called life. Um, but it reads like a thriller, the way she's done it. It's, it's, just, um, it's just brilliant. I have to say, congratulations to you mm-hmm. for finding out ways to circumnavigate and subterfuge a top three. <laughs> so, so far, <laughs> you have seven honourable mentions and you've got a joint top two, so I'm looking forward to what your next one. Now, hopefully the next one, it's the same for both of us. It right? is, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna intro this only because you're too modest to. I want to give you full credit for bringing this book to me because um you did. You you said you've got to read this, you'll love this. And I, I it's one of the many things I love about you is that you are right. You know what I like. 
No, I, I genuinely, and you were right. You brought this book to us and we spoke to Robin Lee, both on the radio show and on the podcast, didn't mm-hmm. we? And um, so the book is the idea of you and you can do the pricey, but I just, this is one of the books that made me happiest this yeah, year. It's too. a happy, happy book. Yeah. And, and I'll forever be indebted to you for bringing a book like that to me because I love that. I love it when people do that and say, try this book, and, and you get such joy from it, especially if it's an undiscovered book, you know. So it's The Idea of You by Robin Lee, and it is sometimes referred to as that boy band book because the plot is about a mum who's approaching 40. She's got a 12-year-old daughter, uh, and she, because her ex-husband's a bit of a rat, uh, she ends up having to follow through on a promise that the ex-husband made by taking her daughter and a bunch of her friends to see their favorite boy band in the entire world in Las Vegas um, because her ex-husband also sort of operates in those circles. He's got these glitzy backstage passes. They can do a meet and greet. So they all turn up uh, in Vegas. And the second that this boy band walks into the room, there's this kind of like frisson of a spark of energy and joy and attraction and something else uh, that goes between the main lead singer of the boy band he was a little bit like Harry Styles maybe uh, and the mum and the story that just then unfolds from there but it's it's fun and it's glamorous and each chapter takes you to a different location in the world that we haven't been able to go to in a really long time and it's sunny and it's sexy as well and it's carefree yeah, yeah exactly it's carefree um and yeah this is absolutely the book that when I was reading it I just wanted to steal away the whole time and kind of binge read the next chapter because I was just having so much fun hanging out there. Yeah. Yeah. Same. And in fact, uh, it, the lead singer is so based on, on Harry Styles that for ages you would say to me, you read that book yet? You had to dip into that book. Yeah. I go, which one you go, you know, the one I recommended the idea of you and I'll go, no, which one? And it's always so many floating around, aren't they? Yeah. And then as soon as you went, you know, the Harry Styles book. Oh, yeah, the Harry Styles book. <laughs> and it, that became shorthand for us for a while, didn't yeah, it, this year? Yeah, yeah. But it's really good, really fun. It's romantic. It's uh, beautifully done. Interesting at the time, you were like, I remember you saying to me, what do you think of the sexual content in this book? And I was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's all right. Thinking, what's Sean about? And then I got to the bit, yeah. You know what I mean? Because there's kind of there's a few sexual encounters in the book which are just like normal, as it were. It's kind of quite low key. And you thought, I thought, what's that down about? And then there's one that's a bit, yeah, more than low key. (laughs) But it's quite um, interesting, right? That um, you know, there's so much talk about often sex scenes in films and on TV and whether they earn a place there. And what I really appreciated and why I think it works so well in Robin Lee's book is that in each of those bedroom scenes she wanted to progress the character in some way. So each one reveals something, either about the plot or about the character um, and justifies having it. It never feels gratuitous. No, it doesn't. And also I think I kind of, what I enjoyed about it is because it's just a really good example of, of writing that's done well anyway, but also writing a love scene that are notoriously hard to get right and get the tone right. Have you tried yet? No, (laughs) no. Nah. Yeah, that's- I can't remember who it was now, but I read an interview recently with a writer who said they personally don't do love scenes because they think, they assume that the audience assumes, well, that's how you must do it because mm, you've written yeah. it that way. Mm, yeah. And of course, that's not 
always true or if entirely true. And writers are like magpies, I think. They pick up a story here, a story there, and it all lodges, doesn't it? And then maybe when you come into a certain scene in your book, you go, oh, I could put that bit in and base it around what my friend told me years ago about yeah. blah, you know? Yeah. And it's a funny thing, right? Like it's, you know, you're a huge fan of Michael Connolly and Ian Rankin mm. and stuff, and it's not like mm. you say to them, so did you get this from all the murders you committed? Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's a really good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good point. It's the same thing. I just think it's really, I think it's a real skill, you know, as it is to plot a crime novel. It's a, it's a real skill to plot a love scene so that it feels purposeful and, and truthful. Do you know Jerry Sadowitz's perfect murder? No. So what Jerry Sadowitz says, if you want to kill a celebrity, you know, one that's really annoying you, one that's on the telly all the time, you think, I just want to be shot at them, is what you do is you write to them and you say, I'm a huge fan of yours. Um, could you please send me a signed photograph? And to save you the trouble, I've enclosed a stamped address envelope. And oh, then he says, it's like cyanide on the Yeah, envelope. you lace it with cyanide. And he said, the beauty of it is that they lick it and then send it back to you and they've posted you back the evidence. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's dark, but fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is dark. Yeah. Also, the sad truth of it is you probably wouldn't take out the slave. You'd take out some poor PA, wouldn't you, on 19 grand a year? Yeah, yeah, not that. So uh, our book of the year then, I think, is Robin Lee's The Idea of You. Yeah, I'll happily go with that because um, it brought a huge amount of enjoyment. And as you say, it's sunshine and, uh, and also surprise. There was a surprise element for me. Yes. Because I didn't, I didn't, I hadn't heard of it. So, and Robin was also a joy, wasn't she, to be around, she to spend was. time with. Yeah. And I think, you know, in a time where we've all been stretched to spend some precious time with someone who brings joy and has good energy is a real boost. It is. And it's a really bad segue. Hopefully that's what we do if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Great, mate. <laughs> yeah. No, but genuinely, um, it's a joy to kind of read lots of books and get to talk about them. So uh, even though this has only been a little bestsellers mini series uh, in the run up to the festive season, bestsellers shall return. Now, let's just quickly, just quickly, because it is the festive season. Yeah. Uh, give me a couple of Christmassy things from the Jameson household that you can't do without. So for in mine, I know it's a bit, it's a bit highfalutin, but the M&S Yule log, right? Mm. Can't do without that. Can't, that's incredible. It's got a kind of crispy chocolate inside as well as the coating. That's got to be in the house. Less bothered by tubs of sweets these days. Uh, and bothered by good crackers. Um, I can tell you it's because they won't be listening to it, but I managed to find some Mr. Men crackers for the boys. Nice. So they're, And just for them. So they'll be the only two at the table opening those. What about you? Must-haves. <laughs> Must-haves are Elizabeth Shaw mints. Oh, so are they the like one... posh after eights? Uh, yeah, but I like the ones... I don't know which ones they're called. They're the kind of like in a an octagon or a hexagon shape, and they've got like the crunchy little bits of mint yeah. in it. Those ones, oh, yeah. those are my favourite. And I'm also very partial to this. Will come as no surprise. A liqueur chocolate. <laughs> you say it'll come as no surprise, but I don't really have you pegged as someone who loves a drink. You not? No. Um, Do you know I mean, like you never. It, it's quite rare when you message me and go, "Oh, I'm really nervous today," <laughs> or drunk. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, a, a liqueur chocolate uh, where you know the chocolate's not that great, but it's just that that burning sensation of a liqueur that you probably don't know what it is. I love it. It's a bit like um like a if you get like a cherry in Kirsch, and again like not that great. It doesn't matter what the chocolate is. It's just this little bomb of um of toxicity. Wow, you yeah. really do like to punish yeah. yourself, don't you? Yeah. Uh, 
other things I like um festive movies uh yes so sitting down with a festive movie um and canapes god I love a canapé uh Christmas you like a canape do you you're a big yeah, fan of the canape it. yeah we, I think we've mentioned this before um and again it doesn't have to be fancy cheese and pineapple on a stick that's a canapé mm. um uh, a crisp in a bit of sour cream canapé do you know what our two-year-old started doing well he likes making canapes well it makes his own yeah mm. um you know french fries crisps yes they're very thin yeah. so he likes to get one of those and then dip it in ketchup before he eats it nice I and if agree. he hasn't he asked for a packet the other day so i got him a packet and then he says no and he, he was trying to say it's wrong you've done it right and i thought it's not wrong that's what you asked for it says french <laughs> fries you've got french fries no no where's the dip dip and i realized what he meant he just thinks they're like chips yeah yeah he puts he everything knows. goes in ketchup his yeah. bread and butter goes in the kitchen. Everything. Ketchup is good. Yeah, my favourite. Oh, there's too much. Why do I always do this? Like, Go on. my favourite um, late night snack, very unhealthy, done it since I was a kid. It's just yeah. like, and it's because I was, I haven't eaten meat since I was like 12 and I didn't really eat that much meat as a kid anyway. So when you kind of go to like discos and stuff, there's always be like hot dogs and never liked it anyway. So I'd always just say, can I just have the bread and ketchup? Uh, instead i don't want the hot dog just take don't even put the sausage near the bread but i'll have one of those buns and then just squirt the ketchup in it um so that's my go-to snack just like a slice of bread ketchup on it squish it in half (laughs) does that bring the same kirsch cherry burning sensation (laughs) as you reach for the ready kind of like psychoanalysis um i'll go back to the festive movies instead so beautiful things like <laughs> white christmas uh, which i adore with danny Kaye and bing crosby and rosemary clooney and vera ellen um i love an old musical i also really like die hard uh, i've already yeah. watched that this season it is a festive movie um Gremlins. do you know what we've just discovered what so we love home alone like the rest of the yeah. world home alone 2 is really good yeah it's good it's really, really good. good yeah, yeah you can kind of Didn't stop know. there yeah yeah that's right yeah because three and four is a different kid yeah also i might have said this before but klaus on netflix uh who's in that again it's a it's an animation it's it came out a couple of years ago but okay. it's um klaus it. is voiced by jk simmons i believe oh yeah uh but that is gorgeous and should be a, a festive rewatch every year um which we will do as well so that's great um and yeah it's just like the kind of build up to christmas i love the and obviously seeing friends and family, which who knows what we're going to be able to do again this year. Yeah. <laughs> At time of recording. Yeah, time of recording. Exactly. I genuinely love buying things for people and like thinking about them when I'm buying them. That's probably my favourite thing. That and the burning liqueurs. <laughs> wow. We've all got a truer picture of Natalie Jameson there. And maybe that's the breakout pod that we'll do in 2022. <laughs> in the book lover's chair. <laughs> It'll just be me slowly having a breakdown whilst reading books, which is kind of, I think, what's been happening, right? Um, For the last 24 months, this podcast has documented the breakdown of Natalie Jameson. Some of the scenes you hear, you may find disturbing. <laughs> um, and I generally hope to do some reading. There are other books that I want to read that I haven't read yet, um, which I could mention, but I won't because I've already gone over my three by multiple times. Yeah, just like reading and hanging out and taking a break and... Yeah. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah. To you and yours and you and yours listening. And thanks for downloading bestsellers, which we appreciate because we, this is a labor of love. This is, and we don't do it for any other reason. No one's making any cash out of this. We do this because we enjoy speaking to top writers and we enjoy reading the books so that we can inform those conversations. So thank you for taking the time. We'll be back with you next year. Have a wonderful Christmas and a happy new year. Ho, ho, ho. Lateral flow, ho, ho. (laughs) 